0: G'day out there. My name's Pete Liston, and welcome to another episode of the Military Mindset for Business podcast. Today, I'm talking about one of my favorite topics, which is how to delegate to elevate. Now, in business, one of the key measures of success is how do we operate in our higher space? Now, part of the military mindset, we want to help business owners think like generals, not like private soldiers. Now, no offense to private soldiers. But in business, we need to be operating in our higher space to be able to really drive the strategy and vision and get to where you need to go. There's only so many hours in a day. So ensuring that you've got the right person doing the right job is a real fundamental principle of how the military is successful. And today we're going to talk about that. So Derek from Outsource Accelerators, I hope you enjoy this episode and think about how you and your business can really delegate to Elevate. Enjoy.
1: All right, Pete, what do you mean by trust the process?
2: Yeah, day, Derek, and day, everybody. Um, trust the process is really simple. Capture excellence and repeat. You know, what, one of the core things we're looking for in the business is consistency, and we want that to not be bound by, to the business owner. So trust the process is about how do we capture excellence and repeat and, and have the owners be able to affect their business through systems rather than all about being themselves.
1: And I want to hear all about your your business and, and really what it encompasses and, and also your own journey into this business. But you are, you do outsourcing, um, maybe leaning a little bit more towards virtual assistants. Uh, and it's interesting to me, you know, and the name jumps out to me because of the word trust. And so often with outsourcing, there is a lot of distrust um, you know, and a lot of fear. And also a lot of people have been burnt by trying to offshore or outsource or use Upwork. Is is that sort of a reason why you chose that name particularly? Is it because of, you know, that that sort of empathy with people really struggling with outsourcing or is it more a nod to your own internal processes?
2: Look, to be totally truthful, um, Philadelphia 76ers had a catchphrase called trust the process and it was how they evolved the team from being really poor to a championship team. But look, the, we love the brand name because it really... Uh, tells a lot about who we are and our methodology. Um, it's Humans are flawed. Process can be perfect. Okay, so it's always the quest for the perfect process. And it's all about, again, that capturing excellence and repeating. So if we can take our businesses down the path of delivering with consistency, that's what the process is all about. You now, we take the hu- the human flaws out. People are always going to be flawed here or there. But it's all about how do we capture that process to really drive our goals.
1: Got it, got it. And outsourcing, you know, one of the other names for it, of course, is business process outsourcing. And again, a lot of people don't realize that it is a very process-driven industry, isn't it? And the whole concept is is really about taking someone else's process and making it efficient, making it cost-efficient, making it effective and, and improving on that.
2: Yeah. And too many business owners are fixated with doing it all themselves, or whether it be, Small to medium, it's some of their first couple of hires, or whether it be a bigger firm actually looking to you know do larger components of their business, to effectively transfer that work from local to offshore requires defined process. Okay, we want to have and give our offshore team members clear guidance, clear structure, clear clear process. And that's going to be, really affect the quality and what we do. So we don't want to, you know, we've got amazing people, um, you know, onshore and offshore, but it's the process that really links the two teams together and really binds them into one common purpose.
1: And who would you say is your, so outsourcing is so broad, you know, we, I was at a conference about two weeks ago and these, the big guys, they have 700,000 employees, you know, it's yeah. just phenomenal. And uh, dealing with, of course, you know, the biggest, Names in the world, but what is your target market? Who, who are you sort of um, um, targeting your your product towards?
2: Well, I guess we've uh, one of our other catchphrases is "Practice what we preach," and we've um, built a couple of very successful businesses by being able to effectively outsource and grow the balance between an in an in, onshore and offshore team. So currently, now our business is targets like probably your first virtual assistant potentially even your first hire, but really businesses, probably 10 to 15 employers that are really looking to empower their local staff to operate in their higher space. Okay, there's the right job for the right person. And too many, too many times we're, we're paying our local staff too much money to do basic administrative work. We want to empower those local staff to be able to focus on, you know, relationships, relationships and revenue-generating activities. When you've got great team members there sitting ready to go to be able to, you know, they're at they're at your beck and call to use.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's fascinating, isn't it? And you said there you built well, let's let's go into your journey then, Pete. What you said you built two significant businesses. And it's interesting that you credited, you know, I'm just picking up from what you said then, you're almost crediting the success of those businesses to the fact that you outsource. So I want to dig into that a little bit more afterwards, but what is the the journey of your own business uh, yeah. career then?
2: Look, Derek, my first business, I used to be an army officer in the Australian army for many years. And as much as I love the military and I love the team and the camaraderie, I always had that entrepreneur, entrepreneurial itch I needed to scratch. So I ended up transitioning with one of my um, uh, officer school classmates and we started a little business called Secure Windows. It was a very... Uh, administratively heavy business. It was basically installing window locks on uh, apartment buildings in Sydney, New South Wales. And we ended up doing hundreds of apartments a day, hundreds of serials, tens of buildings, and it just became a nightmare administratively. And the labour costs of paying the local team to doing that was just really weighing the business back. So what we did is we got, you know, after, like most people, what is it, four hour work week? That, that book.
1: Right. I'd read yeah, that. I'd heard about a
2: VA. Yeah. I thought I'd give one a crack. Uh, and basically, after the first VA we had was really, uh, we didn't know how to capture what we needed to do and transfer it over there. We tried someone else about three weeks later. She started on four hours a day only. Um, that woman is now leading a team of, we've got about 160 staff in the Philippines now. So, we're certainly not one of the bigger players. We're more of the, one of the more intimate providers with small business owners, but th- that's an example of the power and the nurturing that you can get from you know a great team member. Is you know someone who started four hours a day is now a, a team leader of a, a significant size team, you know, overseas. So, what happened is what we were able to do is when we shifted this, uh, let's call it this labor cost balance of doing the administration between onshore to offshore. Mm it just freed up so much um, capital for us to hire more local Australians on the tools. So it actually was, a um, to use an army phrase, a combat multiplier or a leveraged effect to hire more local staff because we had more of the, the capital available there because we were getting the, the more administrative activities done for a more cost-effective rate.
1: Right. And that allowed your company then to effectively outperform the competitors, like you, you were able to then because of that sort of significant difference, you were able to outperform.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So we went from, you know, from three to thirty staff in twelve months. Um, our once we actually nailed this um, this mentality of delegation and, and and outsourcing, and again, it was it was coming back to our former careers and, and putting it into practice in in this job. Um, once we really nailed that rather simple way to transfer those work offshore, you know. The business revenue went up by 10 times, the staff went up by 10 times, and we actually did way less work. So my work work was, you know, 70 to 80 hours a week when we we're starting up, it shifted back to about 50, you know, it's not like it was all, you know, cabanas and, you know, cocktails, but the sheer weight in balance between the work effort, mm. uh, and we just take that methodology now and, and help others apply it.
1: Well done. Well done. And I find as well, you know, and I preach this to people as well, like often when you have very expensive people onshore doing the administrative work, it's done at a bare minimum. You know, you just do what you have to do so that it kind of passes muster, but you're not actually really doing it properly and everything kind of is gets a bit janky administratively. Yet when you have someone that's affordable, that can really deep dive into the, into the administration and really own it, um, you know, and then audit it and polish it, it it becomes a lot better, doesn't it? You know, and there's so many businesses, I think, that push a lot of the expensive administration and bookkeeping and accounting and just do the bare minimum because you can only afford that. Whereas when you can afford, um, you know, enough hours and skills, then you can really polish these things up to be a true asset to your company.
2: To be honest, I found a lot of the, when the local team were doing those administrative actions, they weren't stimulated by it. It was almost like an entry-level position for them and they were waiting for the next transition through to something better in their life, something better in their career. Um, The model that we work with our offshore team is we want to have that person, you know, have have a career with you for life. So it's possible that person will spend a maybe significant amount longer in that role rather than a local team member before they transition but what we do is we get that, the offshore team member to become the champion, to train the next person behind them. Because, you know, as you're well aware, most of offshoring is not necessarily for the business owner about replacing the activities you're currently doing, but it's all those things you wish you had time to do, but you never actually do. So once we can actually, um, it's, it's a bit of a funny term, but I call it value suck, right? What we do is across the organisation... Let's suck all the low value activities out. So all the administrative activities out and let's offshore them with, you know, intelligent quality team members. That then creates a lot of capacity in the junior levels of the local business, allowing the business owner or the manager to delegate some of their work down. So quite often you don't get a VA or a PA for the business owner. You might get a PA or a VA for a secretary in the business or a middle manager, and that allows them to create the capacity for the senior management to delegate, and it flows downhill like a waterfall. But the essence of the uh, discussion is get the right person to do the right job for the right cost.
1: So a lot of outsourcing now, it's such a broad umbrella and you know, some of outsourcing is really just staff augmentation. We get you the staff you need, we provide that sort of conduit to the Philippines or wherever in the world to get those staff and you're on your own. And some others, it seems you're more leaning that way. You not only provide the staff, but you're providing the solution, but I suppose the pathway to the solution and almost a little bit of management consulting and business coaching thrown in. Is that a fair sort of assessment? And how do you split out all of those functions? Or is it better to have them all sort of bunched in together as one service?
2: Look, I, I think what you find when you get into the, you know, outsourcing, offshoring, VA market is you've got your dating agencies, and you've got your managed agencies, right? Your dating agencies are basically like, um, here's someone, good luck, all the best, we'll catch you later. Um, expectation of a high turnover rate, probably a super low cost, um, versus the managed agencies like ourselves that take a far more A systemized approach to that methodology. Now, we've got three pillars in our business. It's systemize, automate, and delegate, right? Systemize is all about great processes. Trust the process. Once we've got good process in our business, we want to use the tech platforms that we've got, like CRM, et cetera, to empower and execute that process. Then we've got our team members, which is the delegate or the people side of it. How do we get the people to really To take as much of that workload into the right, you know, into the right level. Mm -hmm. So, good process first, then the right tech platform to help manage the system, then the best people at the right role.
1: It seems all of that, you know, and a lot of the coaching. Because I've written a book on outsourcing as well, and a lot of the principles of outsourcing are actually just. consistent with the principles of running a good business you know it's systems it's delegation and I I, you know halfway through running the book it's really like is any of it any different at all or is it really just teaching people how to run an effective business to delegate not abdicate to 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 have proper systems to treat people well you know uh, if you sort of strip away all of the similarities what do you think are the core fundamentals that are different what is different about it and and also i suppose an extension of that question if it is not different why do a lot of people not get it why do they see so much friction with with outsourcing or an offshore team
2: okay number one is i i think there is either there's an overestimation and at the same time an underestimation of what you're going to get out of your new team member. Mm-hmm. Um, to the first point is we have no separation in our um, team values, team uh, ethics, team contribution between onshore and offshore. Uh, one of our specific values is one team many places. And, and we spend a lot of time in the Philippines and, you know, they're part of the daily rhythm of our business. So um, we're very egalitarian, which means, uh, you know, there's no, we're all just people looking out for our families, doing our things. So whether I be the founder or someone's one of our brand new VAs, we have an innate level of respect that everybody's just on their journey with us. So you've got to bring that to the party first. If you're going to come into a like a, like one thing we have a rule: Filipinos have a tendency to call like me, sir. My name's Pete. No one is to call me, sir. You know, we've got these some of these basic things where we want to really lift know the offshore worker up to really feel like they're a part of the team mm. one of the big things that people get wrong though is they I would say somewhere between eighty to ninety percent of the time the failure in an in an offshore or outsourcing relationship comes from the business business's perspective of not being able to articulate and capture the task and train and teach the person okay there for some reason if we had a 20-year-old admin sitting in the office next to us, we would nurture, we would train, we would teach, you know, like we would basically give them every chance of success. But when it comes to some, um, we see it all the time with outsourcing, people just flick them, you know, poorly, you know, articulated tasks, you know, rubbish in, rubbish out, they don't follow up, they don't check, they don't guide. And all of a sudden, four hours later, they're like, this isn't what I wanted. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we find a lot of the time it's all about, the ability to to capture the task, you know, to transfer the task to them, and then re- and then teach and nurture them on how it works. So, um, a rough ratio uh, for me, it's about a five to one to fifty ratio, right? If you've got a one hour task you're doing a week, it's going to take you at least five hours to get someone to a basic level of competence. So you've got to put the effort in. They're people. You do that once for a once a week task, you've earned fifty hours a week back. So it's a really simple matrix.
1: Right, right. And uh, how, how do you find people go? Like, you know, people are often, you know, and I suppose when, if you meet people along their journey, and they may be six months into running a business, then it's very timely. And, you know, a lot of those lessons can be well received, and it can really amplify the progression of the business, I assume. But what if, you know, a business is 10 or 20 years old, they have five employees, and they've just been running in this way for the last 20 years. Are are they able to change? And are they able to get sort of value? Or do you often find that they are the people that struggle to really acclimatize to the new environment?
2: Yeah, look, I think a really good point. Um, It can be any of those. But what we don't want is, and I hate to use this term, but it's martyrs okay, people who have to work 80 hours a week because that's who their, you know, identity is based on, right? You can work all that time. but So one of my catchphrases is don't work after dinner or on the weekends, okay, unless you're doing planning or strategy. Mm. But if you're working after dinner or or on the weekends of business and it's routine and it's administration and it's accounts and billing and rostering and that kind of stuff, then you're not operating at your highest space, okay? So, People who fail to let go, people who use these ghastly words like "it's too hard," I may as well do it myself. They're not the right people for us, okay? Mm-hmm. And they're probably not going to be the right people for, for outsourcing because they sort of feel that that well, if you're using those words, you're not preparing to teach. Now, there's a recruitment thing. You've got to find the right person first to come to the party in the first bit. Um, but unless you're willing to lean forward and really, and again, this onshore offshore thing, I'd like to say it is no different. There is, We've all been through the pandemic and worked on Zoom. These barriers are now gone. So the way that you treat your offshore team is directly commensurate or should be the same way as you treat your onshore team and the way you teach them, you nurture them and you respect them.
1: So COVID has happened and a lot of things have changed. And one of them is is home base that I want to get uh, to you about in a minute. But um, you're based in Australia, in Sydney, the the major cities in Australia. What is the perception now? And, And I see, you know, I'm connected to Australia, of course, but I see outsourcing or the awareness of outsourcing is pretty mature in Australia compared to some other countries. And there's a general significant awareness, maybe, you know, because of the fact that the Philippines is so close geographically and also in time zone, but how do you see the perception of outsourcing amongst businesses, business owners in the in Australia or Sydney, and how has it progressed over the last, let's say, three to five years?
2: I think we are. Your point there about time zone is very relevant. Um, you know, we've got clients in the states, um, however the. Yeah, you know, the time zone again. Coming back to the Filipino, you're doing you know what we call in Australia a dog watch or a night shift, um, you know, working overseas. So the fact that they are aligned up with Perth, which is on our west coast, or Sydney, which is either two or three hours behind, depending on daylight savings, it can be a great environment, um, you know, for the Filipinos to work in this time zone. Like, and we all know about the traffic, you know, and the advantages of taking traffic out of the equation. Um, from Australia's perspective, we're actually a really multicultural community. You now we've got um. Now you walk down the streets of Sydney and it is just every person from every part of the world around so I think there is a really whether it be a Filipino accent on the phone or another accent, it could be someone working in one of the suburbs around the corner so from our perspective, you know I feel that we're a very welcoming and again egalitarian egalitarian or very leveled community that's accepting of everybody to you know have a fair go.
1: Yeah, and I think it's it's funny the the irony as well is it's it's had relatively very closed borders, isn't it? And it's a long way from the rest of the world. But they, um, what is it? Immigration is very limited, and as a result, salaries are astronomical in the, in Australia, aren't they? And I sort of see this kind of uh, outsourcing as a kind of sneaky backdoor that every Australian has found to be highly effective, especially when. You know, salaries are so so high in Australia um, that you know now people can conveniently go online and access a massive global workforce. Do you think that's sort of factored in a lot? I mean, salaries are just crazy in Australia. Yeah,
2: yeah Derek, that's a that's a really good point. And as a nation, we're really lucky to have a, an economy that has really thrived. Well, not been deprived as much as others through COVID. Generally, because we've got a lot of dirt and we dig a a lot of holes in the ground and we send it overseas in the form of coal and iron ore, which really sustains, you know, the national economy. Um, But from a workplace perspective, you know, we've got extremely low uh, unemployment rates. Um, So employers are out there competing all the time. I saw something in the newspaper yesterday that, you know, restaurant staff are being offered $100,000 a year because we can't get... We're still waiting for the backpackers, and these other people are coming up. So businesses are struggling to find people, um, and we want quality people. And we've just got a great pool of highly educated, intelligent, you know, motivated people just to our north, a few hours, um, who, are, who are great for the for the Australian business community.
1: Mm-hmm. And how? Uh, have you seen an uptick in it since COVID, of course? You know, COVID has pushed a lot more people online into these tools like Slack and Zoom. And um, Are you seeing more of a narrative or a conversation around offshoring over the last two years?
2: It's definitely normalised. You know, a lot of the – you mentioned before uh, in the start of our conversation about trust. You know, really, for me, trusting a local member versus trusting an offshore member, there is some – the same safety mechanisms need to occur between the two, and mm. um, but the normalization of this digital place, like me and you looking at a camera, having a chat right now, is really just you know taken for granted now. Uh, so the fact that our offshore team members can just uh, slot into that space is far less, as you mentioned, far less friction um, to actually integrating them into the team properly from from an acceptance point of view
1: when I started this company you know a lot of the conversation was around convincing people that they could offshore and and that it is safe and things like that and as you say I think it's becoming now accepted that this does happen it's normal and eventually it will become a default and so now the conversation is more around not you know is outsourcing a possibility but who should I use to outsource or what are the you know the different models that um suit me better. And it's progressing, isn't it? And I think as, as it matures even more in another 10 years, maybe people will then be aware of the different models and it is then just selecting a partner, like you're almost going out, finding which car you want to buy. Yeah. Um, and that the, the general sort of awareness and education is already done for you, which is uh, you know, it's not far away. I think it's only five, 10 years away, but it becomes, I think there's going to be a powerful inflection point where it, once it becomes the default for employment.
2: Yeah. Derek, and it's not just about considering the out, see so the administrative outsource team, you know, the virtual assistant, the BPO part of it. It's nearly any part of business. So, personally, in our business, um, just recently we had, you know, head of marketing was in New Jersey in the States. Then we had team members in Bali, in Brisbane, um, you know, scattered across Australia, as well as our offshore team. Uh, and then I went and travelled through Greece and Turkey and Egypt, and we were still just running like normal. People mm-hmm. jump on, they get onto the time zone, they they abide by the calendar meetings. So it's not just about the um, you know the, the offshore administrative team. It's just a way that we can all work in business, and you know, hopefully, we'll all have our cake and eat it too by getting a bit more. You know, work life balance and, you know, finding a career that we can all you know, get the most of ourselves out of.
1: Yeah, it's powerful stuff. And what are your thoughts on remote? Of course, you know, that's a, 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 another big aspect since COVID and it it's, uh, supports the outsourcing model as well. But what are your thoughts on having the Filipino team home based versus office mm. pros and cons?
2: Look, I think it definitely comes down to uh, it's number one redundancy. So if you need a team of say, I think the key number is as soon as you need four people doing the same task in one place, four people doing the same task and you need a leadership structure, try and get get an office. Okay, go through a model, um, you know, that where you can get them all together. And then number one, we've got redundancy. So if one of those team members for whatever reason is absent, it's very seamless in terms of, uh, you know, covering each other. Um, for, for us, we are primarily home-based, because that's just the kind of model to have. We've got the capacity to do offices for any clients that need it. But it's about the leadership structure around the activity. So, for example, if you wanted to run a call centre and you had at least uh, the, the amount of work for three or four people, then put them into the one spot so a team leader can look after them, manage them and nurture them in that one place. If it's more of um, secretarial, personal assistant, um, virtual assistant, and then a lot of the, the key specialist roles... I see no reason without the appropriate technology checks and balances that they can't work from home. Now, like, again, every job to its merit, but there is horses for courses, you know, in every situation.
1: Sure, yeah. And if you're coaching these uh, clients, prospects, how to do it properly, are there ideal roles? Are there good roles to offshore? Are there bad roles, good... Functions, bad functions to, to yeah. offshore?
2: Yeah, look, I'll tell you what a, uh, a bad role is. It's a digital marketer who can write content and do video editing and do Facebook ads and also do your social media, do lead generation on LinkedIn mm. uh, and every other little component in the world. Like that person doesn't exist in Australia, let alone yeah. over there. Okay, so too often we come, we get these like unicorns, you know, I just want them to do all of that. Mm. Okay, the other thing is it depends. Do you will you be the expert in the conversation? Okay. If you're the expert or someone in your team can champion that person, then you can get a generalist, potentially with some specific skill sets on tech platforms or you know, potentially other skills like you know, accounting or marketing. But it depends who's going to be the expert. Okay. if you, If you just want someone to create you leads and I don't know how to do it, just create leads for me. Well, you know, how are you going to teach that person or Otherwise, you're going to have to pay for that person. You're going to have to pay for the expertise. And it still might be half of the local cost, but don't think you're going to get somebody like that for $10, $15 an hour, you know, when they are, you know, could be potentially a highly professional, professional, someone with many, many years of skills that when they're in the room, you want to listen to them. And this is the other thing that we want to think about. There are people in the Philippines that when they're in the room, they're, they could be the smartest person in the room about that particular topic, so don't pay them budget rates. You might that might cost you 150000 dollars a year in Australia. So pay them the amount of money they deserve to do a great job and, and focus on their expertise.
1: Yeah, it's a bit of a danger zone, isn't it? That um, and often I find it's the solopreneurs that you know they built their business to a certain level. They maybe held on to stuff too long, and then their first hire needs to be absolutely perfect and it needs to be an imprint of them and it needs to you know that person needs to be able to do everything that they can and more um and do it for sort of 400 bucks a month kind of thing it's 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 a big big danger zone isn't it and then i think those you know when it's your first hire and often i find as well that if people are only just at the capacity that they can hire someone and then this first hire is literally make or break, and they're spending their last sort of pennies investing in this person. Then it's just all too critical, isn't it? And you know, I sort of find if if it's your fifth hire, and you were going to hire that person in Australia anyway, then let us have a talk to you about hiring them offshore, and you will see the benefits. But if you know you were only ever if you only ever had a budget of four hundred dollars a month, and you couldn't afford an Australian salary, and it's your first hire and it needs to go perfect, it's, it's, uh, it's pretty hard to get that one right. You know?
2: That's right. And at the same time is, you know, you've, we've got to be um, cognizant of the time aspect. like, if it takes you three hours to do a task, then don't expect your new VA to come in and do that same task for three hours. Hmm. Okay, so we've got a very deliberate process of how, Like we're not, we are absolutely not right for for everybody. But we've got a very deliberate process how to get it right, and it is confirmation, preparation, integration. So if you come to trust the process, we'll spend some time with you, and we'll make sure that you are actually right for an offshore worker. Okay, we'll make sure that if we're going to proceed, that you're well set up and we can actually support you. After that, we have a very very deliberate phase that goes for about two weeks before the VA starts. And that's all about preparation. Too many business owners are like, right, let's get a VA. Let's start them in you know, a week and a half time. They're busy. They haven't, you know, their life's crazy. All of a sudden the VA turns up on day one and they haven't prepared. They haven't got the, the training set up. They flick them a few tasks. You know, they haven't really settled and prepared for the investment. And, what, and this can be a very, very lucrative investment. Right? Mm. 50, 75, 80% off you know, your your wages, savings, but you've got to work for that as well. So we call it a work hard once mentality. Do the work, work hard once and delegate. So confirmation, is an offshore worker right for you? Preparation, let's get ready for them. Let's help you, let's set you up for success and them. So when day one comes, we're good to go. After that, there's an integration phase as well. So we'll actually support you uh, and help nurture you through that phase. So A really simple tip out there is your first five and your start and your bench five. Pick some low-hanging fruit that is simple, frequent, and time-consuming so you can build some trust with the VA. Five simple tasks in the first week or two that you can transfer over. Get some quick wins. After that, what's the next five? And then after that, what's the next five? So again, being a couple of former Army officers, we're very deliberate about this methodology of teaching about training and making sure that person, both parties are set up for success.
1: Yeah, no, that's, it really resonates. And what is your your process with the clients then typically? And how how do you price all of this? Because, you know, as I said, it's far more than just um, a staff member, but you're not necessarily doing the deliverables on behalf of the client. So, so it's more sort of ha- heavy, kind of handholding, process building at the beginning, and then I assume once the VA or employee is is on a, on their way, then you can sort of step back a bit. But how do you, how do you structure this whole relationship?
2: Well, what's really important for us is to support the business owner or manager on their journey, and how do we take them from being a doer to a delegator? Okay, so for that to occur, the first thing that we'll do is we'll we'll actually just sit down and we'll obviously, we'll make sure that they're, they're ready to go for this confirmation phase. Um, there's a couple of really basic things we need to identify is what is the tasks and the actions and the roles that they need to do. And then let's start building those standard operating procedures or how-to guides well before they start. Okay, we've also got some really simple training techniques to how to empower the VA. Because again, both parties really want to make this work. Okay, so After that, what we do is through our integration phase, they work very closely with both our Australian-based operations manager and a Filipino team leader. So, again, coming from the military, we'll come back to it, we're very structured in terms of our, I hate to say it, but chain of command, okay? And so every VA has a team leader who's Filipino that understands their culture, who's been around the job for a while, who's been a VA themselves that can really hold hands. And we really want that team leader... To participate in all of the training. Okay, so you're training like two for the price of one here. Get your VA and your team leader together in training then. Because the thing is, it's a fact with a lot of Filipinos is that they are they are really keen to do a great job. And we've got to be careful that they don't become like yes people. Mm-hmm. You know, in their ability to want to do a great job is to say when they say do you understand it, because they don't want to be like maybe embarrassed if they don't, they might just say, Yeah, I got it. Okay, but w- when our team leader is there with them, we can really have confidence that they're sitting there. Uh, we like our Australian-based you know operations manager to touch base with the client, you know, at least on a monthly to a quarterly basis, depending on the on the rhythm of the business. And that's really not so much about the quality of the VA role because we're comfortable with that, but to support the business owner to kin- continue to take this delegating mindset. Okay, it's like what will like how else can we support you? on what's next because once we get those base levels of trust, then this delegation mindset of like, you know, this isn't my highest space. How can I support it delegating? doesn't even need to be an offshore member all the time, but how do we support them delegating to either a local or offshore, depending on what the task is.
1: And how do you structure the pricing of that then? Is it uh, an all-in price? Does it vary depending on the quality and capabilities of the VA? How do you How do you sort of... Touch all of those levers and um, end up with a single price.
2: Yeah, we we have an hourly rate, and it's it's basically an hourly rate um, over a full a full time week. Okay, a forty hour week. Now within that, we're incorporating you know the team leader, you know, the Australian based operations manager. We're also doing the right things by the Filipino that you're probably not going to get when you're you're on Upworks and all the other ones like. You know, Phil health and Social Security and, and like, we, we give our team members, like, leave every year. Um, we want them to have a commensurate workplace experience. Well, it's not going to be quite the same as Australia. We're very lucky in Australia that we've got very, very liberal, you know, workplace environments. We want to treat our offshore team, uh, and that's all encompassed in the hourly rate, like 13th month uh, bonuses, that kind of thing. So the customer is, has a very clear um, rate of what they get. Now, we that's for a generalist, Okay. Um, you know, you're looking at around $10 US an hour for a generalist. For a specialist, well, let's go find it for you. Let's, let's understand the role and what that commensurate role is in Australia. And let's have a look at the skill level and the talent and the training and the education that that person got. And then, you know, that's really on a case-by-case basis.
1: Fantastic. And do you build teams for people? Like what if they want to have an accountant or... You know, as you say, a digital marketer, um, and and go into sort of departmental roles.
2: Yeah, look, that's that's a really good point because what we're about again, coming back to this, everybody operating in their highest space. Now, that's going to mean, um, like, particularly for small business owners, they're wearing they're wearing every hat at the moment. They're trying to do an, they're trying to do every job. So, as part of our, our confirmation phase, now, is an offshore member right for you? We talk about all of these kinds of possible tasks to delegate. Then, when it's in our preparation phase, we're going to pull all of these tasks out. We're going to pull all of these roles out and develop the appropriate duty statements to what the business needs. Then we work with the clients to get the low-hanging fruit. Okay, what what how what's going to give you some like some immediate relief for either your wages, your um, you know your team goals, or your business goals? Then we can work with you like enduringly as the business grows, we want to support your growth as well. Okay. So whether it be, you know, which generally starts off with the generalists. Okay. Then we're looking at PAs for people. Now we're looking at the specific roles, whether it be the bookkeepers, you know, the accountants, you know, the the marketers, the, the sales calendar, the appointment bookers, you know, those particular, those particular specific roles. But coming back to what I was saying before, we practice what we preach. So we've been through this business journey from you now first couple 100k revenue through to being a multi million dollar business now so we understand this journey that these business owners are going through and we basically just speak their language
1: yeah it's pretty valuable stuff isn't it you know and it's 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 kind of management consulting it's it's business coaching it's full time staffing and all of it is at a significant discount to getting someone in australia you know it's uh it's kind of a win-win, isn't it? And then they can tap into your experience of running businesses and setting up the teams and everything, and it's all included in one price that is significantly, significantly lower than hiring someone uh, in the Australian market or US market. It's 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 a it's a no-brainer, yeah. Huh?
2: Yeah, look, it is, and and for us, it's about um, it's not about finding a cheap solution. It's about finding a cost-effective solution. Okay, you know. Mm. If you want cheap, go to Upworks to the Wild West or and, and good luck. You know, there's some great people out there. If you've just got some little odds and ends and you just need a little task done here, project done there. But if you're looking for an enduring relationship with somebody, if you're looking for someone that could potentially stick around and spend their career with you, then go with a managed agency. You now, go with someone that's going to hold your hand through the process, that's been there and has a tried and proven method. And then, you know, as I come back to saying it, now that we've coming to this side of the conversation is where trust the process really comes into it for us because confirmation you know preparation integration we've got a defined process that that helps capture the right people that brings them to you to an interview you select the ones that you want and then we help you integrate them into the business
1: yeah fantastic interesting stuff Pete and uh Again, I, I just see so much value. I always encourage people to, to reach out, to have a phone call because it's really, you know, this isn't like buying a book on Amazon, is it? It's more of a consultation process um, and, you know, reach out and have a conversation and see how this can be applied to to your business or your situation. Uh, and there's a lot of value in that. Thank you so much, Pete. If anyone wants to learn more about Trust the Process or get in touch with you, how can they do that?
2: Yeah, look, um, obviously, all the dubs, www.trusttheprocess.com.au. Um, I'd love you to reach out and say good day on LinkedIn, um, yeah, Pete Liston, uh, obviously, or oh, Peter at trusttheprocess.com.au if you want to have a chat to me personally. Uh, look, like I said, for me, this is um, the people are at the end state of the mindset process to come through here. It's about everybody on their team, you know, whether it be local or offshore, it doesn't matter. Whether it be the leadership or or more of the worker bees, we need everybody working in their highest space for the growth of the business. We do some. We get some cost-effective team members in to do the administrative work. We're going to create up. We're going to free capital to get more local staff members to be doing to be doing the revenue generation, you know, the relationship stuff that the businesses are sorely missing. Ultimately. I want to see more business owners and managers knocking off at five o'clock, not working after dinner, not working on the weekend, spending more time on their health and with their families and, and what matters to them.
1: That's a beautiful thing, Pete. I wish, uh, <laughs> I wish I was doing more of that myself. So, yeah, no, it's um, definitely super, super aspirational. And thank you so much, Pete. Really, really incredible insights. And uh, I, I really learned a lot. Thank you for your time.
2: Yeah, pleasure, Derek. Take care.